I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at bluenile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Story time. As a young police officer named Harry, I received a call from a park ranger in Ozark National Park. There had been a murder of a hiker and they suspected something paranormal, but they weren't sure. Being an avid believer in the unknown, I was immediately intrigued and said I would check it out. Once I arrived at the park, the ranger led me to the hiker's corpse. Upon analyzing the body, I concluded that it had been attacked by a bear. But the ranger shook his head, telling me that bears don't leave bodies behind, they eat them. He continued, saying that this was Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. It's the work of some serious cryptid, possibly a loop guru. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. A werewolf in Ozark National Park? It seemed impossible, yet the evidence was right there in front of me. The ranger told me that the full moon was that night and that I should investigate then. As night fell and the full moon rose high in the sky, I made my way back to the crime scene, alone. As I approached the corpse, I watched in horror as it began to transform before my eyes. The body contorted and twisted, taking on the shape of a monstrous werewolf. And with a roar, it lunged towards me before running off into the woods. I was in shock unable to move or even think. How could this be possible? I had always been skeptical of the supernatural, but now I had witnessed it firsthand. I knew that no one would believe me, and that my career as a police officer would be over if I reported it. I spent the next few weeks in a daze, unable to shake the memory of that night. I couldn't sleep, couldn't eat, couldn't function. And eventually, I was committed to a mental asylum, deemed too unstable to continue my duties as a police officer. But even in the asylum, I couldn't escape the memory of that night in Ozark National Park. I knew that the werewolf was still out there, roaming the woods, and that it would always be a part of me. I could only hope that one day, someone would believe my story and put an end to the monster that had destroyed my life. As a cop, my experience with the supernatural was very limited to a few traumatizing encounters with demons that left me with a deep fear for life. However, this particular account is told by a friend of mine who is a fellow officer in a small town in Minnesota. And this was back when he was a rookie on patrol. One night, he told me about an incident where they were dispatched to a call at a local residence. He said that upon arrival, his sergeant spotted somebody running through the backyard of the house. It wasn't until they got closer did they see a black figure dashing into a nearby grove of trees. They radioed dispatch for backup, cautiously approaching the grove with guns drawn, ready to shoot on sight as assuming it was a suspect trying to escape. As they got closer, a faint moaning sound broke the silence which caused him and my partner to freeze in their tracks where they heard a thud followed by a loud crack of a branch breaking. He looked back at his partner who simply shrugged as my friend slowly pushed forth the trees. He saw an apparition that gave him goosebumps even though it wasn't cold outside. A stout humanoid creature began to emerge from behind a tree not more than 20 feet away, quickly making its way towards a clearing with a full moon causing them to see a silhouette of it against the moonlight. He said that what he saw was this hulking black figure with chalk white skin and a bald head with no ears or nose or really much features at all but could sense a deep malice emanating from this thing. 
All my friend could think about was his family as he slowly reached for his firearm until something slammed into him knocking him over onto the ground. What grabbed hold of him wasn't human. It had a hand around his neck which seemed gnarled and leathery except its fingers were three times longer. The only way he described these demon hands gripping around his neck is that it felt like being a victim of a boa constrictor and it would only tighten its grip to the point where you would die from lack of oxygen. He also explained that he could see a mouth full of razor teeth opening up as if ready to bite his head off but, thank God for a police siren that caused this thing to release him and vanish. And my friend explained that what happened next was even more bizarre than the attack itself. One car showed up while the nether approached from a different direction with her lights turned on shining directly into where this figure ran and vanished. After a brief investigation and questioning they declared it a false alarm. My friend said that a couple of months after this encounter the local sheriff passed away due to a sudden heart attack despite being a very healthy man in the prime of his life. He told me that he later found out years later that a strange police officer was picked up back then who claimed he saw a monster dressed in a police uniform before committing self-harm shortly after his arrest under mysterious circumstances. Now when he made the claim of monster, I'm assuming he meant as an individual, not an actual monster. He said this happened at a time where strange people. My shift involved the night shift. I got a call to an old abandoned house on the outskirts of town. I wasn't too worried about it. I thought I'd be stuck dealing with a vagrant or a squatter. But as I walked up to the door, I realized something was off. As I approached the porch, I felt an overwhelming sense from inside that I shouldn't go any further. But even though my mind was screaming at me to turn back, I couldn't help myself. There's nothing more dangerous than that thin line we all have to cross, especially in our field of work as officers. I have every right to be here, I told myself, reaching for the handle. But just as I was about to grab it, I heard a noise coming from within. I drew my gun, held with both hands, and forced myself inside. It didn't take long for me to realize that nobody else was in here. I wasn't sure what I was expecting to see or find. But clearly this place had been vacant for a while. As soon as I had thoroughly checked everything out, I started back towards my squad car. However, I heard another sound behind me. I turned around and I saw it. It was human, I think, but its eyes were like black pits that went on forever. I couldn't even tell where I was looking when I looked into him. And then the smell hit me. An awful stench like I had never experienced before. Rotting meat left to fester in the sun for days and sulfur. I can still smell it sometimes, even though I haven't seen or heard of what it was since. I know this is a very short story, but I'm not really sure what I saw that night. But I know one thing for certain, whatever that being was, God help us all if I ever have to meet it again. I've been working as a police officer in Detroit for a little more than a decade now. I've learned that ghosts are not the scariest thing you'll find out there. Living people are far worse. However, one of my first scary experiences did involve something paranormal. It still roams around my mind. I was still a rookie back then, going out for my first night patrols. 
I was nervous but also excited to get the chance to finally take matters into my own hands to make the country a safer place and play my part. Yes, I was the classic naive kid with big dreams. I believe that becoming a cop was the closest thing to a superhero. I know better now. So, anyway, I was sitting there next to my partner in the car, driving around the neighborhood patrolling. It was starting to get very late, around 11.35 pm. We had seen nothing suspicious or out of the ordinary, so we're getting kind of bored. We parked in sort of a desolate part of the neighborhood, just watching the hours go by and our radio flicked on. We were being dispatched to another place as somebody had reported strange noises coming from an abandoned warehouse. My partner seemed more annoyed, I was ecstatic. Finally, something to do. I was so afraid I would get nothing to do on one of my first nights out. I was willing to check out every corner of that warehouse, even if the noise just turned to be a family of raccoons. So we said to check out what the ruckus might be. We drove deep into the neighborhood. You know how in Detroit there are some places that were basically just left to rot? Well, the warehouse was located in one of those empty spots. Every house for miles seemed to be in a progressive state of decay. We began wondering who would have reported a noise disturbance in such a place? Nobody seemed to be living near. We got to the place and parked the car. The warehouse was basically just a rundown barely standing building. The roof was missing in some parts, most of the windows were just shards, and the walls were blackened almost all around. The doors were so rusty it seemed that they would become dust the moment we tried to open them. But that was not the only thing. The place had a vibe. I don't know how to describe it. It felt like a place you should stay away from. Both my partner and I knew it. He looked at me after taking a look at the building suggested we both claim we found nothing inside to get out. I felt very tempted but I needed to know I could handle this job and be a proper officer. It was time to improve myself so I refused his offer and told him we should just give a quick look around in case something might be going on inside. He rolled his eyes at me but reluctantly agreed. We got our guns, flashlights ready, getting out of the car. I immediately noticed the heat. It was an early fall night so it wasn't exactly cold. However, when we stepped out of the car I swear the temperature had risen like 20 degrees. I had to leave my jacket in the car. My partner just took this as another bad sign and insisted on leaving. He was also the very superstitious kind. I needed to just take a look around and felt like I truly done my job. We approached the factory and the temperature was just soaring the closer we got to it, like it was a furnace. I now started to sweat. It felt almost like the heat was coming from the building itself. We got to one of the doors. I tried to grab the handle to pry it open. The moment I touched it the metal felt burning hot. I cursed immediately removing my hand. I looked at the handle and even though it felt like it was red hot it seemed completely normal. It left faint burning marks all over my hand and my partner and I were beginning to freak out. He once again repeated we should just leave the place and call the fire department. We turned around and were about to head back when we had heard the screams and the pounding. In the blink of an eye every door and wall was being desperately pounded by what must have been dozens of people and all sorts of screams and wailings were coming from inside. 
My partner and I bolted straight to the car but Ben Way my hero complex kicked in completely idiotic I headed straight back to one of the window openings. As I approached again the screams got louder, the heat it being almost unbearable. I could feel my eyelashes getting singed. As soon as I got close enough I looked inside expecting to find somebody, something that could be making and responsible for all the noise. The building was empty just a rundown warehouse with their floors covered in black and rubble. I got a really bad feeling in the pit of my stomach so I bolted out without even looking back. I got inside the car where my partner was very patiently waiting for me. We drove away very quickly as we got out and my heartbeat finally slowed. Those voices they still resonated in my head. They were screaming in pain, pleading for help and of course nobody took us seriously at all back at the station. Even the fire department got incredibly annoyed when they found nothing. They were sure somebody was playing a prank and they were not fans of pranks, especially when it involved them wasting their time. But from then on I was very weary of night patrols, even more so when they involved desolated places, all dilapidated buildings where gangs and criminals would go to hang out. After this, I never came across something like that afterwards. To be fair, I have not been to that part of the city ever since that night. I have done some research though and turns out around 50 years ago the place was actually a textile factory that burned to the ground in a very uncontrollable fire. A massive conflagration. A lot of people unfortunately did not make it out. The factory was then rebuilt from the ground up not too long after. I'm sorry I don't know the dates. I believe the screams we had heard were from the ghosts that were left behind. Scars left by the tragic events. I still don't know if that's really what it was but whatever it was terrified me and makes me feel very sad about all of it. I grew up in southern Georgia in the woods and swamps hunting and hanging daily. Fast forward 20 years. I'm on my lease hunting property near Whitmire, South Carolina. I found it strange that the old guys in the club would never ever hunt alone in these woods. I normally carry a .306 while in the woods. One evening it was getting late, 20 minutes or so maybe before dark. I'm watching some small ponds, sitting over a road in the tall pines. I'm in my climber maybe 10 feet or so up in the tree. I love the woods but hate heights. The woods are loud, but then very quiet. Okay, I thought. I was just hoping for a big buck. The next thing I hear is someone walking towards me in the small pines, but then they just stop. It's getting really dark. I start hearing deep groans where the walking had stopped. I'm thinking that it was a bear or a cat which would be very uncommon in this area. A big cat, maybe. But bears this far south is not normal. It gets very quiet again. I could see the small road well in the moonlight. The next thing I hear the groans are immediately under me, almost beside me. Now the groans are becoming growls. Also, the odor was a bit overwhelming, just like a dead animal in the woods. I thought that a stinky animal was climbing on my tree and felt like I was going to be grabbed. I started moving a bit, trying to get my gun pointed down and lifting my feet. I was shaking because I was freaking scared. I could hear heavy breaths. I started yelling down, if you're a club member trespassing I don't care. Just identify yourself or I'm gonna freaking start shooting.
I thought someone was trying to get at me in the tree stand. I never heard another sound and the foul odor was gone. I put my gun on my back and started slowly climbing down the tree. No more than two or three steps down the tree I smelled that awful odor again. Then I heard a low groan. T was right in front of my face, but it was so dark that I saw nothing. It scared me so bad I stood up and jumped into the dark in the other direction. When I hit the ground I rolled around, jumped to my feet, and ran down to the road. I ran as hard as I could to the gravel road where I could see well in the moonlight. At this time I remembered that my buddy was down at the bottom of the road in the small pines where I put him in a big box stand. I didn't see his light, so I had to run down that road to get to the bottom by the rivers he was down by the rivers. When I ran up to him he said, man, there's some weird SHT going down. We need to go. We slowly walked together back up toward the gravel road. I heard someone walking on both sides of us all the way. I think my buddy was hearing it too. We didn't speak during the entire walk, maybe five to six hundred yards, for some reason. I didn't feel my gun was going to help. I had hollered earlier threatening to shoot and whoever this was, they weren't scared. When we got to the gravel road, the entire atmosphere had changed. It was almost 11 o'clock at night by then. My buddy didn't talk much. We went back to camp and had some food. We went to bed. I could hear him rolling around all night and I didn't sleep a wink. This happened a few years back, we're close with our next door neighbors and they were getting their kitchen remodeled. My mom was over at their house chatting with them. I decided that I wanted to go over and see the kitchen too so I head out my front door. It's a straight line from my front door to the neighbor's front door, looking to my right was the main road and the houses across it. Our driveway is a connected double driveway with a small extension by the edge for extra cars to park, by the road. Near that is a street lamp. The neighbors two doors down from us, one across from our neighbors, run a small home caring for mentally challenged people. By their driveway under the street lamp was a small black car parked under it, front facing towards the street lamp. The lamp illuminated a small squirrel-like creature under it. I love animals of all types so naturally I slowed my pace to look at the small squirrel. Suddenly it stood up in its hind legs and morphed into a small figure similar to a kid. It ducked behind the small car and I didn't see it again. My memory from there is very foggy, I can barely remember what happened, it could very well have been the shadow of a squirrel or just my imagination, but I'm sure I saw something that day. A few months ago my sibling was visiting their partner for a small party and they said they had seen a figure in the street. Help me identify what I ran into? About a year ago I had moved to a new area in northern Utah, USA. I quite enjoy hiking alone and went on a new trail with my dog one morning around 8 am. About two miles into the main trail I came across a path that seemed to have been untouched for some time, but I wanted to explore so I jumped off the main path. One to two miles into this smaller trail I hiked into what looked like a camping area but I had not seen it on any of my maps nor in the area reviews so I thought this was a bit strange. 
I hiked past this then suddenly had a horrible feeling of dread and I froze. The forest had gone silent and my dog was frozen staring at a nearby bush. Then said bush rustled, whatever moved inside the bush seemed large, human-sized or bigger. I stood staring when suddenly whatever was there started making loud clicking sounds with its tongue. It was strange because one, these sounds were much too loud to be human and two, they were being made in patterns and increments. After some time, the thing quickly moved up the mountain, though still obscured by trees, I got a decent idea of how fast it could move. It was again much too quick to be human. It continued clicking then I saw it dash up and over a ridge. It was tall, at least 6 feet, 1.8 meters, and it had stark black and white coloring. I know my animals and it was like nothing I have ran into or researched before. I had a co-worker swear to me that it was a skinwalker. Though I am curious if there is a different cryptic or folklore being that matches this description better. I posted this elsewhere and was referred to this subreddit. I would just like to have a good idea of what I could be dealing with. It all started one night a few years ago when I was hanging out with a guy friend of mine, let's call him D, and his cousin. D and I had really come to bond over some of our strange beliefs and experiences. The story I'm about to tell wasn't the first foray, for either of us, into things of an otherworldly nature, but for me it was one of the most significant, and had a lasting impact on how I view these things. I was living in Chicago at the time, and working at a bar somewhat near downtown. If you believe in superstitions and fairy tales, it would be easy to assume that strange things only happen to people deep in the woods, or in remote locations, and that a city such as Chicago would be mainly devoid of supernatural or otherworldly experiences. It's easy to assume that densely populated areas wouldn't exactly be a breeding ground for this kind of strange activity, but you would be wrong. On this particular night, it was slow at work, and D and his cousin just happened to be in the area. He texted me to ask what my plans were, so I suggested they come to my place for a quick drink before we closed, since it was already nearing 2am. I finished my side work just as they were arriving, 10 minutes till 2, so we all had a quick drink and took off to find another bar that was still open. But I think it must have been a Sunday or something, because everything in the area was closed. So we decided to head back to our neighborhood on the far north side of the city. As we were deciding what to do, D casually mentioned that he knew a liquor store in the northern suburbs that was open till 3am every night. So we devised an impromptu plan to grab some beers and have a late night stroll on the nearby beach. I would like to mention that this particular beach was about a 10 minute walk from where I was living at the time and had a bike trail with a park that I would often rollerblade or walk through. When we got to the park, everything seemed normal. Both the parking lot and the park itself seemed empty, and we assumed the beach to be empty as well, as everything was perfectly quiet and still. By this time it was about 3am, so we didn't expect anyone else to be there. As we were getting our beers out of the car, I noticed it was a full moon that night. We often went on nighttime adventures in the suburbs when we were bored, although never to this particular beach, and even on college campuses we barely ever ran into anyone. 
But as we walked through the park I noticed how still and quiet everything was. As soon as we stepped foot onto the sand where the beach started, something shifted. The energy changed. And we started hearing laughter. Coming from where? It sounded like it was just out in front of us a ways, just right there, out in the water. But no one was there. It was a clear night, and with the full moon you could see for literally miles in every direction. There was no one there. But yet the laughing persisted. And it sounded like two voices, a man and a woman. And you could clearly hear them in the water, splashing and playing and laughing and talking, but there was just simply nobody there. At this point we were all actively scanning up and down the beach and literally asking each other, yo, are you guys hearing this? It sounded like they were out there playing in the waves, in the middle of the night, laughing and talking, but we couldn't make out what they were saying, and we simply couldn't see anyone out there besides ourselves. We all agreed that it was weird, and maybe we should have simply taken it as a sign to leave, but we ended up deciding to simply ignore it, and headed to the opposite end of the beach. Maybe they're out there skinny dipping and they don't want us to see them? I offered this as a possible solution, but I think I was just trying to rationalize what didn't make rational sense. So we ignored it. We walked to the complete opposite end of the beach, which may have been roughly the size of a football field. But when we got there we noted that the voices had not changed volume. It still sounded like they were out in the waves right in front of us. So we ignored it even harder. We opened some beers, put it out of our minds, and frankly didn't think too much of it for a while as we talked about random things and I took pictures of the moon over the water. This went on for about 20 minutes and we weren't thinking too much anymore about the voices or the laughter, until it suddenly stopped. The sudden absence of sound made us immediately uneasy, mainly because what the f just happened? Why did the voices stop? Did they get sucked into an undertow? Are they out there in the waves drowning? We all looked at each other with the same question, what the f do we do? Here I am, on the beach in the middle of the night, where we're not supposed to be, drinking beers, and now there's people potentially drowning. What do you even do in this scenario? Call the cops? run out and try to save them? All I can assume is that in this moment, we were all contemplating these same horrifying scenarios, when I saw movement out of the corner of my eye, down to the other end of the beach. A wave of relief washed over me, thinking at first that it might be these people coming up on the beach. So without even thinking I started to point and say, look, there they are. It's two. Realizing at this moment they aren't people, it's two dogs? And sure enough, we all see what seems to clearly be the silhouettes of two dogs, trotting towards us down the beach. Now this was a decent sized beach but these things were not simply walking, they were moving with some speed and managed to clear half of it in about as much time as it took me to process what they even were. And as they started to get closer, I started to notice that they had very large ears, tails, and paws. Holy f you guys, I don't think those are dogs, I said, those are coyotes or something, and they're coming right at us. Now I had seen coyotes in the area and knew they were no strangers to even densely populated areas, but seeing what appears to be two wild animals trotting towards a group of humans in the middle of the night is wildly disconcerting. At this point they suddenly stopped in their tracks, about halfway down the beach. 
They seemed to assess us for a moment, when all of a sudden I saw, with all clarity, the silhouettes of these two animals rise onto their hind legs and become, instead, the shapes of two people. Immediately I turned around to my friends and exclaimed, tell me you just saw that shit. Yeah, said D, who looked terrified, they just stood up. That was all he had to say for me to know that we had all seen the same thing. When we turned back to look, they were already gone, like they had simply disappeared into thin air. D's cousin said, we need to get the F out of here. And so we did. But it wasn't so much sheer panic as a sense of vague unease. We didn't run away screaming, we just simply quickly grabbed our things and started walking towards the exit. As we walked past the lifeguard tower, we noticed them, as if they had simply materialized again. There they were, the two of them, a silhouette of a man and a woman against the moonlit sky, sitting atop the lifeguard tower. We all slowed our step as we noticed them. Should we say something to them? I asked aloud. I couldn't help myself, the curiosity was overwhelming. No. Dee's cousin whispered sharply at me. Dee grabbed my hand and dragged me onward. Don't say anything to them. Just keep moving. So we left. We got in the car silently. We took the short drive back to my apartment silently. We sat in the car quietly for a few minutes, smoking a cigarette. Okay, I said finally, breaking the silence, but we all experienced that shit, right? Did we just see, like, werewolves or something? And in that few minutes we rehashed the entire experience together, from the disembodied voices to the shape-shifting creatures. And although we agreed that we had all seen and experienced the same thing, we also noted that if we had been alone, and seen something like that, we might have just written it off? I thought it was my eyes playing tricks on me, D said, until I realized you guys saw it too. That was basically the feeling we all had through the whole experience. As if we had tried to write it off until it was nearly staring us right in the face. But honestly, this wasn't my first experience with things of an otherworldly nature, and it seemed to me, from experience, that it's best to just let it go. So I did let it go. I got out of the car, and went into my apartment, and honestly just went straight to bed. Like, I knew it was a strange thing we had all just experienced, but I really just hoped and chose to assume that that would be the end of it. And truthfully I went to bed that night and slept like a baby. I never really felt like I was in danger, or that something malicious had followed me. I thought that was the end of it. Until I started having dreams about them a few weeks later. As it turns out, they had followed me, and they wanted to talk with me. One night, a few weeks after our sighting of the strange shape-shifting creatures, I had a dream. I didn't know that it was a dream while it was happening, it all felt so real. It was like I remembered nodding off in bed and then I came to somewhere else. When I came to, I found myself standing on an empty beach. I quickly realized it was the same beach where we had seen the creatures a few weeks prior. But I couldn't remember how I had gotten there, I just fell asleep in my bed, and woke up on the beach. The transition was so jarring I started to panic, wondering if I had slept walked there, or worse, if I was losing my mind. My unease grew as I realized the winds were blowing and the skies were dark, as if there was a bad storm approaching. 
I thought about the things we saw on the beach that night, wondering if they had somehow led me here. As soon as the thought crossed my mind, I saw something. Black, inky, amorphous shapes, rising out of the crashing waves of Lake Michigan. I worried that I had somehow disturbed some ancient lake spirits. As I watched the shapes rise out of the waves, they took the form of two large, black dogs, each with glowing yellow eyes. They maintained this shape until they reached the beach, where they stood on their hind legs and suddenly they were no longer dogs but a man and a woman, strange, ethereal-looking people, with long black hair and the same glowing yellow eyes. They just stared at me. And I stared at them. And they stared at me. And I stared at them a little while more until I finally managed to muster the words, What, are you? They exchanged a baffled glance with each other. No, but like, what are you? The looks of confusion on their faces grew, in fact it seemed like a mix of confusion, and offense at the very question. In my dumbfounded state I repeated the question a few more times, what are you? But they seemed either unwilling or unable to respond to it. So I asked more questions. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Questions. Different questions. Okay, if you can't tell me what you are, can you tell me where you came from? Like, have you always been on this beach? Do you come from a different realm? More looks of confusion. You can't even tell me where you came from? Like, when were you born? Do you remember being born? Suddenly the woman snapped at me. Do you remember being born? And suddenly I was the one who didn't know how to answer the question. Do you remember being a baby, or an infant, or even a toddler for that matter? She seemed thoroughly annoyed by my line of questioning. Well, no, of course not, I stuttered. No. Of course not, she said. You don't remember that far back? Well, neither do we. But surely you must know something about your origins, or where you came from. I asked. I may not remember being born, but I have parents and family and doctors who were there to confirm when and where I was born. Well we don't have any of that, she said matter-of-factly. In fact, things like us. Well, we're the oldest things we know of. We don't have parents or grandparents to ask, we don't have anyone who came before us to ask where we came from. And frankly we simply don't remember that far back. I was dumbfounded. I had no idea how to respond. So you want to know where we come from? She continued. Well, I can't tell you that for certain. All I can tell you is my opinions, my beliefs. So if you ask me where we come from, I would say that we come from God. 
And I would say that it's the same God that created you, that created us, that created all of reality. But the truth is, if God does exist, or some sort of creators to all of this, they quite simply are not around anymore to ask. But this is just my belief, and that's all I can give you. Feeling in a whirlwind from such a complex and unexpected response, I clamored for something to follow it up with. So, how old do you think you are exactly, or how far back do you remember? She sighed a deep sigh, and started pointing around in various directions saying things like, Do you see the water? Do you see the waves on the water? Well yes, I said, obviously I see the water. You see the beach? And the grasses growing on the sand dunes? Yes I see the beach. Do you see the hills beyond the beach, and the trees growing on those hills? Yes. Yes, I see the hills, and the trees, what does that have to do with anything? Well, she sighed. We're old. At least as old as the landscape itself, if not older. So as long as this has been here, we've been here. As long as the water and the beach and the hills have been here, we've been here. We're as old as the hills, you might say. At this point I was exasperated. Okay that's all cool and good for you and whatever, but what does that have to do with me? Like, what does that have to do with me? They were both silent for a moment. Surely there's some reason you sought me out right, surely there's some reason you've approached me to tell me all of this? More silence. So, what does this have to do with me? Just then the man, who hadn't said anything to me the entire time, just sort of shrugged and said, I don't know. We just thought it might be nice. To have a human to talk to for a change, you know? And that must have made me so angry that I woke myself up because the last thing I remember is yelling for a change from what? And then I was waking up in my bed and it was morning. I had more dreams of them after this. Most of them were vague and I couldn't really remember much. When I told my friend D about this, I was surprised to hear him say that he had been having dreams about them, too. He didn't claim to remember having any specific conversations with them, just vague dreams of shape-shifting entities. But as for me, I did have one other dream where a conversation was had. In this dream I was at work. In real life I work as a server, but for some reason in this dream I was the bartender. It was the same bar, however, that I was working at in real life at the time. It was a slow night, there were a few tables but no one at the bar. I was contemplating stepping out for a cigarette when a woman walked through the front door. Immediately she caught my eye. Something about her was dreamlike, the way she moved was ethereal. She had long black, wavy hair that seemed to flow unnaturally, and she may have been wearing a fur coat. When she sat down and made eye contact with me, I immediately noticed her eyes. They were a bright, vibrant and unnatural shade of yellow, almost as if they were glowing. I just knew as soon as I looked at her that everything about her was entirely strange. But I didn't know that this was a dream and I didn't want her or any of the other customers to think I was crazy, so I greeted her as I would any customer. Hey, what's up, how's it going? Yeah, she said, in a complete non sequitur, so I've been really into werewolves lately. She slammed both hands down on the bar emphatically as she said the word werewolves, staring at me with wide eyes and a strange grin. Um, okay? I responded, 
her comments catching me off guard. Yeah, have you ever heard of werewolves? At this point I was sure she was crazy. Or, or cryptids? Have you heard of those? In my mind I'm thinking, lady is this your first day on planet earth? Who hasn't heard of werewolves? But I just laughed uncomfortably and played along. Yes, I've heard of them. Why? Okay, so you've heard of werewolves and cryptids and stuff? Cool. Yeah, I'm like really into that stuff, like I want to know all of the folklore about these things, and I want to know what people think about these things. That's cool, can I get you a drink? Honestly I was just trying to hurry up and serve her so I could go out for a smoke. She ordered a beer, I poured it and handed it to her, and she continued on with her strange line of questioning. So have you ever seen anything like that? She asked as I handed over her beer. Like what? Like a werewolf? Yes, silly, like a werewolf. She made a playful smirk. Cause I just wanna know. I wanna know what people think about these things. Well I was about to step out front for a quick smoke if you don't mind, maybe we can continue this conversation when I get back? At this point I was honestly getting more than a little weirded out by her energy and her attempts at talking about some weird shit with me. Sure, sure, she said, so I went outside, but as soon as I lit my cigarette, I turned around and she was standing behind me. I'm sorry, I just couldn't wait, I wanted to talk about it now. I don't want to freak you out, I'm just conducting some research, you know? Trying to find out what people think about these things. I tried to steer the conversation politely back to her by flipping the question. Well, what do you think about these things? Do you believe in werewolves? I don't really know, I just want to know what you think. Like, I'm fascinated by the kinds of stories and myths people tell, the good, the bad, the ugly, I don't care. I just want to know. Do you have any stories? Any experiences? This went on a few more times with me trying to redirect the conversation, and her directing it back at me, until finally I told her firmly but nicely, look, I do believe in these things and I would love to have that conversation, I really would, but I'm at work right now and this isn't the time or the place, you know? Like I can't be standing out front, smoking cigarettes, and talking about this kind of stuff with people. I'm sorry, I just really can't talk about this stuff at work, that's all. That's okay, she sighed, I understand. I really should get going anyways. She smiled kind of a dejected smile and I suddenly felt a little bad for being so dismissive. Okay, I said, I'm sorry I can't talk more about that stuff right now, but I have to get back to work. Okay, she said, have a good one, and she started to walk off down the street. As I walked back through the door I stopped and, for some unknown reason, joked, oh, by the way, you're my favorite cryptid. She winked at me, and as I was walking back through the door into the building, everything made sense. I realized this was a dream, I realized who she was, and why she was asking these questions. And I turned back around and ran out the door as if I was going to confront her, but I woke up. I moved away from that apartment and from Chicago completely after that. I moved back home to Michigan. I still have strange dreams sometimes, but I'm not sure if those particular entities followed me or not. If I'm being honest, at the end of the day, they were pretty interesting to talk to. 
and I think if I got the chance, I would talk to them again sometime. So that's the story of how I met the Loop Guru and they were pretty nice, actually. Hope you enjoyed reading it. If anyone has any insights or has experienced anything similar, I'd love to hear it. My theory is that these were not actually werewolves at all but rather some type of fey entities. I'd love to hear others' thoughts. Hello, what do people think this thing was? A demon, goblin, something else? Why was it in my house? This took place in a suburb of Minneapolis, Minnesota around 2015. My father was a police officer for 30 years, he is a respected member of the city council, and an all-around reliable dude. He told me that a few years back he walked into the bathroom late at night to get ready for bed and a four-foot-tall demon thing was standing on the bathroom rug facing him. He didn't feel scared, but sensed that the creature was just being annoying. It had long arms hanging almost to the floor, and had brown fur, but wasn't super hairy. He said it had a bat-like face, but not quite as smushed. His first reaction was to say in the name of Jesus, leave my house. He said it just kinda stared at him then jumped up and vanished through the closed bathroom window no broken glass. End of story. I am 20 and me and my buddies enjoy late night walks on the trails within the various conservation areas in my region of southwestern Ontario. Late last week week we decided to check out an area called Pleasant Valley. To my knowledge, this area has a deep-rooted history with the Underground Railroad, Indigenous Peoples, as well as the War of 1812 if I am not mistaken given its proximity to Lake Erie. We entered the woods at about 2 am and immediately upon entering I was overcome with a bad feeling and after walking for some time the feeling progressively worsened until we reached two bent trees in an X over the path. My one buddy pointed out the fact that it's bad juju to go underneath and we should just call it a night as we all felt watched. As soon as we turn around and start to head back, the entire forest seemed dramatically quieter we all hear a loud, distinctively human whistle behind us. Almost like how you would call a dog over. There is no way anyone could have been out there at that hour and there is no homes in close enough proximity for someone to be out and about. We all ran and I was honestly terrified me and my friends are all relatively big guys and we are all comfortable in the woods so it takes a lot to get us running lol. Any ideas? I was born in 1968. I am the son of a minor father and a minor. I am the father of two children. The incident happened to me in the mine where I worked a year or two before I retired. Everything started after an accident in the mine. That day, I went to the workplace as usual. In the morning, after having breakfast in the canteen of the workplace, I got into the cage to go 260 meters underground. When I say cage, I mean an elevator. We mine workers preferred to call it a cage instead of an elevator because it was a simple device that worked with a large crane rather than an elevator. Anyway, I went down to the mine. After working until the end of the shift, I started walking towards the bottom of the shaft. We call the place where we got into the cage the bottom of the shaft. As I was walking slowly, an engine passed by me quickly. 
What I call an engine can be considered as a small train. It was a relatively simple device compared to the train, pulling only wagons weighing up to one ton at most. There were workers on the engine. Normally they are forbidden to do this, but sometimes when the workers are very tired after work, they ride on the engine to avoid walking. I continued to walk slowly as the engine sped past me. Then there was shouting coming from up ahead. Someone seemed to be moaning in a wheezing voice. I moved towards the direction of the sound in order to understand exactly what was happening. I started to look around carefully. When I approached the place where the sound came from, I saw that someone was lying in the water channel on the side of the air door. Blood was flowing from the person lying in the water channel as if from a faucet. At that moment I went into a short-term shock. In that chaos, we immediately carried the injured person to the lift entrance, which we call the bottom of the shaft, and sent him to the hospital. I still could not get over the shock of that image. That day, that person who was injured in that accident died. This incident affected me deeply. My psychology turned upside down. According to what I learnt later, the accident happened as follows, while the workers were traveling with the engine, the air door did not open. Since the engine was also fast, the engine hit the door with great violence. The worker who was caught between the engine and the door was crushed badly during this impact. In the days following this incident, when I passed through that gate, it always seemed to me as if someone was still lying in the water channel. I couldn't pass through there by myself. Since the hearth was not sufficiently lit, it was always very dark inside the hearth. It was only illuminated by fluorescent lamps, which were very sparsely placed in certain parts of the hearth. Because of the effect of this incident, I was completely disenchanted with work. I didn't feel like going to work at all, but I had to. Anyway, one day when I was at work again, I was the last one left at the end of work in the area of the mine where I was working. When I looked around, everyone had left. I sat down somewhere. Such a weight fell on me that it seemed like a lifetime to go from there to the lift area, which the workers called the bottom of the shaft. I said to myself, I'll rest a little where I'm sitting and then I'll go. My eyes closed for a while. I was between sleep and wakefulness. I saw a man approaching me from ahead, holding a lamp in his hand. There is no work left at the stove at this hour. I guess he stayed later like me, I said to myself. That light that was approaching me suddenly disappeared. Oh my god. Where did this man go? I said to myself. Then I thought, let me sit for one or two more minutes. Maybe the man who just disappeared will come back and we can go to the lift together. Then my eyes closed again. I don't know how much time passed, suddenly I woke up with a very severe slap. But what a slap. I thought my neck was broken. I immediately recovered and looked around me. There was no one. It was impossible for someone to hit me and run away. For this reason, I started running towards the lift in fear and panic. That day I didn't tell anyone about what had happened. One or two weeks later, I was the last one again. This time I hurried up and went straight to the lift entrance. As I sat down and waited for the lift to arrive, I noticed that something jet black was coming towards me. It had a hand lamp and a hard hat, but neither of them was lit. It was slowly approaching me. I called out from afar, Master. What's wrong? 
Did the lamp malfunction? He didn't answer. Instead, it kept coming towards me slowly. I felt a strong sense of fear that I didn't know why. I wanted to get up and leave, I even wanted to run away, but I was paralyzed. I couldn't move. Although he was very close to me, I couldn't see his face or body clearly. It was as if the man coming towards me was not a tangible substance but a shadow, a silhouette. Don't ever sleep on the hearth again, he said to me. I could feel the man's speech not in my ears but in my brain. He spoke to me almost telepathically and disappeared. I had heard of such events from a few other people before, but I didn't believe it. At that moment, those stories I had heard went through my mind. I read all the prayers I knew. That black silhouette had not harmed me, but living that moment had further disrupted my already broken psychology. I couldn't get up from where I was sitting for another one to two minutes. After a while, I pulled myself together and walked away from there. When I told my friends what had happened to me, they did not believe me. When I told what happened to me to the imam of the village where I lived, the imam believed me and said the following, they are the owners of the mines. As you know, according to Islamic belief, the souls of martyrs can choose to stay in this world instead of going to the hereafter if they wish. According to a saying of the Islamic prophet Muhammad, those who die under the rubble are considered martyrs just like those who die in war. That's why we call people who died in the mines mine martyrs. Most probably that thing you saw in the mine was the spirit of a mine martyr and it warned you. He wanted to protect you. After that day, I never slept in the mine again. About the story, hello, I am a journalist living in Turkey. Investigating the paranormal is my special interest. The story you have just read is a true story that was shared with me by one of my readers on condition of anonymity. I don't remember the year but I was in winter I think like 2016 or around then. I had an experience with what can only be described as a draugr or gulmi and my friend drove past it in New England. It was on a dark street but it gave the most horrible feeling. Near my old house where a lot of creepy stuff happened. Paranormal stuff the house was old and haunted stuff would move doorknobs would turn etc but this was unrelated to the incident. Both me and my friend experienced it and we were both like. Maybe it was just a person? But we both got this horrible sensation and it just definitely wasn't. I was really sick at the time and got even sicker. Definitely felt malevolent to both of us and we both found ourselves looking out the window that night with a feeling like it had followed us home. Last night a party composed of 15 men and boys, all of them armed, set out in quest of the strange animal that is alleged to have its lair in a cavern along the Swatera Creek. The net result of the expedition is that one member of the party claims that he got a glimpse of the mysterious monster and fired a shot at it and missed. That is, he presumes that he failed to hit the beast, as he claims that it shook its head savagely and ran away. Another member of the party verifies this story and says the animal disappeared in Adam Bolt's meadow. This morning another party, comprising 20 men, visited the vicinity of the cave. While several were watching the place a cry was heard and the watchers turned and saw the creature bathing in the Swatera a short distance south of where they were standing. 
Several shots were fired but all were without effect. Members of this party described the creature as an animal weighing between 200 and 300 pounds, light in color, and having a sandy head. Mr. Malfair, a reputable citizen, asserts that he has seen the mysterious visitor running about in Mr. Rasp's meadow, between the Swatera and the Quittapahela. At one farm in the vicinity heads of 23 chickens were found. Some lay the slaughter to the beast and others say it would not take the bodies and leave the heads. Others claim that they have watched the cave on the Swatera and have seen nothing in the shape of an animal in that vicinity except chipmunks. Buddy and I left camp in my rig to grab some firewood. Couple miles down the road we came around a corner and saw a sheep herder we'd met earlier, open range land, talking to a guy in the middle of the road. As we got closer we could see the other guy had a pistol pointed in the face of the sheep herder, we throttled down to break up whatever was going on, but the guy with the gun took off when he saw us barreling down the road. The sheep herder didn't speak English, from Peru working in the States to send money back to his family and was scared out of his mind. Him and his 500 sheep ended up camping with us that night where we shared dinner and tried to communicate with hand signals. My fiancé and I hiked into some forest in Ontario. We had a friend drop us off at the side of an old logging road in the middle of nowhere, and we hiked into the woods due east. The road ran north-slash-south. So basically all we had to do was was stay due east hiking in, and due west hiking out, and we would reach the road again for our rendezvous at a predetermined time a couple of days later. There are no natural predators this far south such as bears or wolves, so for protection I only brought a K-bar knife and some bear spray, in case coyotes took an interest in our two dogs that accompanied us. The logging road was no longer in use by any industry and we had hiked into the woods a few kilometers, so the chances of running into another human were nil. In addition, hunting is not permitted in the area, and there is no water nearby for fishing. There really wasn't any reason for anyone else to be out there in the middle of the woods that far off the road. No cell service, although I did bring a flare gun and multiple flares in case we ran into trouble to signal for help. No GPS, just a compass. We were careful hiking in, and didn't do anything risky to avoid injuries in this remote place. It was early fall, but it was unseasonably cold. Well below freezing. Lots of leaves on the ground and still on the trees, but no snow yet. We set up camp in some thick woods. You could barely see 50 feet away the trees slash bushes were so dense. We were totally isolated and felt completely safe. It was so cold and so dark at night, it was moonless and cloudy, that we went to bed early to stay warm. I'm a heavy sleeper and next thing I know, I'm awakened by my dog pawing at my face. It is pitch black, and I can't even see him. I go to pet him, but something is wrong. As I touched him, I could feel his fur standing straight up, and he was completely rigid, facing the door of the tent. He was clearly on guard and very alert. At first I assumed there was a woodland creature nearby, but I couldn't shake the feeling that something was wrong. That is unusual, because I often camp alone no problem, and am not easy spooked. My dog and I just stayed there frozen and alert, 
for at least a couple of minutes. My fiancé and other dog were still asleep next to us. It was 3.30 a.m., I checked my phone after the incident. The fire was out. No moon. Complete blackness. Just as I was letting my guard down, I hear the most unexpected thing. A notification going off on a phone just outside of our tent, maybe 15 to 20 feet away and I see a faint glow. I hear a male voice mutter OF, or something to that effect, and hear them running through the leaves away from our tent. They were clearly smacking into tree branches etc. and swearing as they did so. At this point they turn on their flashlight as they run, and I can see the beam flailing wildly around in the woods, occasionally back onto our tent. The dogs start going ballistic, I grab my knife and look at my phone, it's 3.30 am. I screamed out if you come back here I'll blow your head off. I'm assuming he had a satellite phone, or really good cell service to get a notification like that. The other weird thing was, he fled deeper into the woods and nothingness, not west towards the logging road. Needless to say we packed up in the cold and hiked back to the road, watching our backs the entire time. We just walked down the road towards far off civilization until we ran into some other campers set up right next to the road 7 or 8 kilometers away from where we came out of the woods. It was just after first light. They let us use their satellite phone, and we called our friend to come pick us up a day early. Upon hearing our story, the campers decided they would pack up as well and get out of the area. Lesson learned. I do not camp in the wilderness anymore without a satellite phone and a 12 gauge. A few years ago, me and three of my buddies went for what was supposed to be an overnight hiking slash camping trip in the Smokies. After about three hours of hiking, we were just starting to set up camp for the night when a freak thunderstorm hit us out of nowhere. We scrambled to pack up our stuff and miraculously managed to find a very small cave, not big enough for any animals to be hiding in it, it was more like a rocky alcove that had just enough space to shield the four of us from the rain. We spent the night in the cave. One of my friends even started showing symptoms of hypothermia, but thankfully I had an emergency blanket in my backpack that helped him. The next morning we tried to find our way back to the trail, it took us two hours of hiking to realize we were very lost. It took us three days to find our way back to civilization. There was two men pulling a big black duffel bag. We were up high on a hill so they couldn't really see us. They had shovels. We watched pretending to be spies. Sharing the binoculars. When they looked in our way, we ran. We ran back to the bikes, then rode back to camp as fast as possible. At that time we camped with about 15 other families. Travel trailer camping group, no one at all believed us. We begged them to call the police. No one believed us. We still tell our family now they should have listened to us. I'm now 35 and my brother and cousin are 32. To this day no one believes us. We went camping in Virginia a few years ago. Throughout the evening we could hear what sounded like some sort of exotic bird 150-200 yards away and it was loud. 
It started getting late and the fire was winding down so we decided to turn in. We each had our own tent and I got bedded down and broke out the Kindle to read a bit. About 45 minutes later, I could hear something walking around my tent. Didn't give a second thought as I grew up in the country with deer, possum, raccoons, etc. Then all of a sudden, whatever that bird was let off one of those piercing caws about 12 inches away from my head through the wall of the tent and I about shit myself. The fear went away quickly once I realized it was the bird but it scared me so bad I was laughing at myself. My husband and I spent the night way out in the northern woods near a lake. There is a looped camping trail where you can rent a site out a few days for a relatively cheap price. Each site is probably separated by 70 to 80 meters, so while you can somewhat see and hear your fellow campers, it's never enough to take away from the ambience. Once we've set up our tent and gotten our belongings in order, we decided to get a fire going and have our usual go-to outdoors dinner of roasted hot dogs. The night was beautiful, the fire gave off the perfect amount of heat and didn't smoke in our faces at all, and for the most part our neighbors didn't get too boisterous. By quiet hours, we bedded down and got in our tent to spend some time enjoying the serenity and peace. Until I realized for some reason our tent is sweating from the inside. And then it started raining hard. We take our valuables to the car immediately and get inside to wait out the weather before disassembling the tent. Our nearby neighbors all realize the weather situation as well, and we see them pack up and ship out one by one. This leaves us very much alone. This is where it gets insanely strange, and to this day neither of us are quite sure what we experienced. Out in the distance beyond our sight, I see what appears to be a red light, maybe attached to a lantern. However, the way this light moves is completely inorganic. It doesn't sway or bob as if being held by a human who is walking around, rather, it snakes around in a perfect track and slowly comes closer and closer to our car. By this time we've killed the headlights and are just staring at this spectacle with a mixture of awe and horror. My husband gets out of the car at some point and calls out in the rain if anybody is there. Lo and behold, the light disappears. This left a most bewildering and eerie feeling deep in my gut. Something did not feel right at all. Sixth sense tingling and everything. At my urging, he gets back in the car and it doesn't take long for the light to reappear. By this point I'm ready to leave, tent be damned. But my husband insists if we're to leave, we have to pack up our tent because he doesn't want it stolen. So, I begrudgingly oblige and while he stands watch with a flashlight, I get to work packing us up. I probably got it done in 5 minutes, maybe less. The entire time we were out there, we didn't see the red light. If we had, God, I don't know how I would have reacted, but I'm glad we were able to get our stuff and finally leave.